Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Albert Oligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And tell your friends, family, and colleagues about the show as well. It makes a huge difference indeed. So today it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show the Chief Executive Officer of Porticus, Melanie Max Hestrianus. Porticus is a global philanthropic organization that does some very meaningful work across most of the world to drive forward the global sustainability agenda. And while they operate globally, they have traditionally kept a very low profile, so operating very much below the radar. We're going to be looking at the work they're doing, and we're going to be talking about the importance of participation, building strong networks, developing programs from the ground up, and focusing on systems change. And also we'll look at why they've traditionally operated so much below their radar and why they are now embracing a little bit more of a public uh, of a public stance. So Melanie, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you very much, Alberto. And it's uh, very nice to be invited here. And I think you're right, Porticus is perhaps the biggest uh, philanthropic organization that you have never heard of. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to try to change that today. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm here in the UK, you are in the Netherlands. And why don't we start by finding out a little bit about Porticus? What's Porticus all about? Yeah, well, why were we, were we so modest in the past? I think it's probably because uh, we've got a very long history. Um, so Porticus is a private uh, philanthropic organization. We work for the Brenningmeyer family. This goes back more than 180 years uh, ago when the Brenningmeyer family, who is in retail at that time, was in retail. Now they do much more. Um, started their first uh, retail store, Clemens in August. And um, from the beginning on, they said, well, we have to do something. We have to give something back to the community. So already in the first ledger, in the first accounts, you can see that they uh, gave a share of their profits uh, to philanthropic work. And uh, and they continue doing that. So that this was from the first year on. They continue doing that. Their retail uh, business grew and grew and grew worldwide. So it started in a very small place in the Netherlands, but it grew worldwide. And so after uh, almost 180 years, you can see that uh, we now work in 65 countries. We've got 13 offices uh, all over the world. We have... I think kind of 1,500 partners that we work with. Uh, and the family is still uh, very much involved. So it wasn't just uh, Clemens and August in the beginning, but they're still very much involved in all of the work that we are doing. Excellent. And when we're talking about the retail side, CNA, uh, yeah. that's, that's the name that people would recognize on the high street, as it were, CNA. Okay, great. So, yeah, CNA, I, I didn't know if people would really know that, but yes, this is how it started. And uh, yeah, this is their business. But nowadays, they also have got other businesses like investment and uh, solar panels, uh, food companies. So it's, it's much broader than it was. Excellent. Uh, give us a little bit of insight into the scale of Porticus, like how many people work there, of uh, key thematic areas of interest. Yeah, we've, at the moment, we've got 13 offices across the world based in six regions in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, North America, Latin America, and uh, Middle East. 
and we have approximately 200 people working for us at the moment. So all of the people within Porticus are focused on contact with partners and co-creating programs, sometimes projects, but most of the time programs. So it's a bit longer focused and um, long-term focus. And what you see is that it's not only about money. The network is very, very important. And uh, working on programs together also makes it that you are often more focused even on convening, sharing knowledge, uh, sharing results from, from the past. And having that large network also makes it sometimes easier for us to do mm. so. Uh, for example, during the Ukrainian crisis, uh, my European director, Andre, uh, who used to be a political minister in the Czech Republic, had lots of contacts in the Eastern Europe and, and also in Ukraine, where we um, used to work. And I think within a few hours, he already knew who to contact, who to support, what our partners needed. Within a few days, we were already able to uh, sent uh, a few millions to that area to support our partners and even other foundations were asking him for advice. So it's it's not only money, it's more context, it's more convening, it's more um, yeah, being able to immediately dive deep into the roots of what's necessary. That's a really great point, I think, because a lot of the times you might have a checkbook ready but you don't know where to start. Who who, who yeah. are those delivery partners or those key people who could who could make things happen? Now you mentioned Adre has a, a political background. You yourself also were quite involved in in that, and I'd love to hear about that. Is that um, sort of like a, a, a bit of the secret sauce for for Porticus that that, <laughs> that 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 those folks at Porticus are quite well connected in in the uh, in the policy circles and and um, and delivery partner circles. No, not at all. But I think that uh, you find sometimes the same type of people in philanthropy as you find in politics, and that and that's those who want to improve the world. And even nowadays in business, you see also much more interest in in doing good and being a force for good as a as a business. So that has always been for me a red thread in all of the jobs that I've been doing is focus on what are the big societal issues, what can you do about it, what's the system behind it. I'm very much interested in system change and how can we get to solutions step by step. So also for Porticus, system change is very important. And of course, there's a lot of ideas on system change and it's not always easy, but we have had experience now for I think approximately 10 years or so. We're, so we're slowly building up our uh, evidence on what works and what doesn't work and also willing to share that with other organizations and, and open up that information. And I think that uh, focusing on the social challenge that you want to tackle, uh, your, your theory of change, possible outcomes, and do that together with your partners, so not uh, top-down, but uh, but jointly. I think that's the fun part of, of the work in Porticus. But was also, um, I think, nice in politics, because it's, it's a bit the same. It's difficult issues, uh, no easy solutions, but the puzzle is interesting. Well, interesting you say that. So I read a, a really great quotation of yours, actually, which is, says, you say, I chose Porticus because I love solving societal issues in an entrepreneurial environment. Yeah. And I thought that's really great. That certainly resonated with me and I think probably resonates with a lot of people listening. 
Yeah, because it is also about, it is also entrepreneurial. So the family is entrepreneurial, but also system change is about ripping up, disrupting, changing deeply rooted unfair systems. And that is not simple. It's long, hard work, but it's also thinking smartly, how can I kickstart something, Mm. start small and end big? So, for example, we have um, part of our organization focuses on small and medium enterprises. It's called Argidius. And they started with microfinance. Everyone did in that time. And they said, well, let's help specifically women start a business. But then we could see it didn't really scale as we wanted to. It often ends with the person that you finance. So then we thought, well, maybe we should not do that, but invest in the ecosystems for small and medium enterprises. So we made a relatively small investment, like 300,000 euros, to do a study on the ecosystems, specifically for uh, the, the, the root causes, the lack of finance, particularly for women running SMEs. So we worked together with World Women's World Banking for three years, and and came up with uh, a few insights and that allowed in the end Kenya Commercial Bank to also participate. And now they have kind of 350 million euros of new finance uh, that has been issued for women-led SMEs. And that was, of course, always partly due to, but the fact that this research showed that it would really uh, be a good investment for for the bank. So you can see how a small amount of three hundred thousand euros can bring back uh, can can in the end unleash a, a large amount of money, three hundred fifty million, if you do it in the right way. And this is how I think about uh, system change. You have to find what the root cause was and then try to change that um, in the right direction. Yeah. So in many respects. The amount of work and and the and the uh, depth of your work means that you have a lot of insight and expertise. And I know you're very good at convening and building these networks. Question for you: How come you've kept such a low profile over these years? And was it easy to do? Because sometimes it's not easy to keep a low profile. You need to go out of your way to do so. Yeah, no. So the family has has always said we don't want to focus on ourselves, but on our partners. Because this is just what we need to do. This is private family philanthropy. Why should we focus on what we do and what we give? Um, let our partners shine. So that's what we've always been doing. Um, and even in the past, we said, well, <clears throat> don't tell anyone you got the budget from us. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, that's not possible anymore, Alberto, because probably people think you're from a terroristic organization if you can't say where the money comes from. So um, we are now slowly transferring into a more uh, transparent uh, approach, um, but not again, because we want to have the spotlights now, but, but because um, if you really focus on system change, you also need to focus on advocacy. You need to be able to influence policy. So it's also, it's also has a real use function to open up more and show more of uh, our results, our our aims uh, to get other partners in, to get co-funding from other organizations, other foundations. So just keep an eye on our website, but so somewhere um, later this year, probably after summer, we will show much more of what we have been doing and what we will be doing 
and um, I'm looking forward to that. And it's necessary. Another example of um, working on system change has really has to do with that lobbying and advocacy. So we um, have a um, part of the organization focusing on climate. And the discussion was how could we create sustainable standards for businesses because after Paris Agreement, well, lots of businesses are willing to, to do better, but then there are also many, many different guidelines and you can get lost in it. So it's horribly complex if you want to track and trace how you're doing. So we um, worked together with um, Impact Organization and we identified blockages to standardization. We mapped uh, together with them a plan of action, brought five uh, important standards uh, setters together, and then um, unified came up with a kind of unified set of standards that has been presented last year during COP26. It's called the International Sustainability Standards Board. Uh, it has been presented again by, by one of our partners, uh, but we, we have been pushing there also uh, a lot. And um, it provides um, globally comparable, sustainable reporting for um, financial markets. So this is a way that we try to influence systems that could be used by everyone. And to be able to do that, you, you also need to be open and transparent because otherwise people will be asking about who's that and why are they doing that? And then the next step was that we wanted to lobby for uh, with IFRS, not only to work on sustainability standards, uh, but also broader standards like social standards for businesses, uh, nature-based targets. Uh, well, the ambitions yeah. are high. Um, but great, ambitions are great. Yeah. Does it help to, when you engage with the business community, does it help that you yourselves aren't just a philanthropic organization, but that you have a strong um, backdrop of, uh, of, of family history within the world of commerce. Yeah, I do think so, because they understand that when we look at things, we also try to see, for example, help businesses start up like we did in the past. Selco is a large solar panel, organiz- uh, solar panel company in, uh, in India which long time ago, when we focused on clean energy, helped start up. We don't want anything of the profit. They can use it again to invest in uh, in giving clean energy to people in that last mile in those remote areas. But thinking like that is different than just grant giving. So also possibilities of venture philanthropy, um, sometimes even impact investing, but that's uh, done in another part of, uh, of the organization. Yeah, I think that really... Uh, is something that we we know from our business uh, surrounding. But uh, you also see that the businesses on the Branding My side are also much more involved now in well, uh, businesses of force for goods, uh, focusing on the right things to do, and also adhering to the standards. You can't just, on one hand, work in philanthropy, and on the other hand, not do good, is it? So Sure, sure, sure. Thematically speaking, are uh, well, climate, education, society, faith are those the the key uh, thematic areas that you um, yeah you, you embrace? Would you say we've our work is divided in in four sectors: it's climate, education, uh, it's uh, strengthening societies and and vital faith communities. 
And then we've got two special entities. Uh, one is uh, Argidius focusing on small, medium enterprises, and one is uh, Community Arts Lab. And that's also a really interesting one because, and I think getting more and more important, focusing on how art can help us change social issues. Because a lot of the work that we do is, is fact-based. Um, research is fact-based and we say, well, this is, uh, this is the issue that we see and that's why we need to make a change. But art can also um, really touch your heart and make Absolutely. sure that you want to change and that you, you get that social movement, uh, but then driven by something different than only facts and figures. So it's really, really interesting to have that combination uh, in our organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. An interesting thing I was when I was looking into Porticus and, and familiarizing myself uh, with your work, I noticed that out of the different regions where you operate, again, we said Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America, North America, Middle East and North Africa. There's a section that's an individual section for each one of these regions on your website. And it's quite detailed that if you drill into each one of these regions, there's a specific strategic focus as well. That strategy for each one of those regions, there's a different strategy. There's a, this difference uh, that's palpable. Tell me a little bit more about that because I find it very interesting. Well, I think it's rather unique for us as an organization so to have such a strong, strong network on the ground and so also really understand what's necessary and see opportunities in, um, in certain areas. So if we, for example, think about um, climate and we want to do more on a just transition, then you need to think where in which area or which region that we work is now the best time to start this. Is this Europe? Because we've got all kinds of policymakers at this moment that are willing to work on Paris Agreement. The budgets are there. So is this maybe the best place to work on just transition to get everyone in and, and avoid like protest, like the yellow vest protest against changes and, and people voting too much for for angry men that don't believe in climate change? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or do we need to focus on another area? Uh, is that maybe in uh, Latin America where there's a lot of interest at the moment uh, for regenerative economies and how to work with people in creating um, sustainable economies? Or do we need to focus on other areas? So this is how we make our choices, uh, specifically based on the chances in a certain area. So if we work on uh, education, for example, where we focus on whole child development and then mm -hmm. specifically children in remote areas, you can bring them to school. But if they have traumas, if they have a distance to, to schools because they haven't been to school for several years, you can give them maths and languages and etc. But you first have to work with them differently and look at the social emotional learning part first. So when we work on these kind of things, we also look at governments and see where's the best basis now to start. How could we work with uh, certain governments? So we, for example, started working in Jordan, where there were lots of refugees with children from refugee camps, but also with the minister, but also with Harvard to do research on what works best if you talk about social emotional learning. And so the combination of working on the ground, but also doing research, but also have that political 
discussion, it, it makes it really strong. And then later on, uh, we did the same in France, in Banlieue, lots of issues there. So you need to work with children uh, specifically to get them back interested in school and uh, with the minister. And so the OECD said, well, this is interesting. You've got proof, you've got um, experience uh, on the ground. So let, let us see if we can make this part of the PISA system, which is a system that measures quality all over the world. So these are the things that you try to do. You look at the country that probably has the biggest chance to start something, uh, use the lo local knowledge of the teams, and then scale up, if possible, through the system. We can't work in the whole world. So we need someone else to take over in the end. We need to kickstart it and then find others that are interested to work on with it um, uh, in a larger area. Excellent. Really excellent. So how would you describe yourself then? Because uh, on the one hand, you are a grant maker. On the other hand, I wouldn't necessarily say you're an operating foundation as such because you're not really delivering those programs on the ground. You're, but you are also having some sort of halfway function as well with the convening, the capacity building, the research drive. Yeah. I don't know if there is a clear, nice label to give you or whether it's just a, a little bit messy, but really effective. Yeah, I think it's difficult. We, we I, I would need to find a, a clear definition <laughs> for that. It's like, it's like you're a co-designer because we're not, right. we don't want to be designer, we're a convener. Most of the time when we when we ask our partners, well, what do you think of us? They're often very happy with the amount of space that they get from us to come up with their own approach. And, um, and I'm very proud of that. I always also did that as a minister. I was a minister for the environment and infrastructure. And we also, uh, when you have to build somewhere in the Netherlands, which is very, very crowded, you always have to do that interactive. You need to work with with environmental parties, with uh, with the communities, um, with everyone that's involved. And if you don't do that, you're, you're not going to succeed. So that interaction for me is so normal. Um, yeah, if you call, uh, I don't know, you can call it interactive policy making, you can call it meaningful participation, but it is one of the big drivers, I think, in what we do. So I love it. Now, you, you joined Porticus, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of a flavor for your trajectory, that, that the narrative, the personal narrative, professional trajectory. How did you get to where you are today? And, <laughs> and also some insight into your, uh, yeah, your, your, your exposure to policy and so forth. Yeah, well, the lovely thing of, of Porticus is that the people working there are all really great. So there are people with a purpose, as you see more often, of course, in these types of organizations. And so they were really, really supportive. And uh, I learned a lot uh, when I joined the organization. But at the same time, we were also spread very thinly. We were at uh, that moment had kind of 12 portfolios and three special entities and 13 uh, regions that we worked from. And uh, all of those uh, regions and, and portfolios and entities had their own investment committee with five or six family members. And um, so there were 28 investment committees in total. And you could see the history of an organization growing, growing, growing. And I think the main focus in the past uh, three years was to 
get more structure in it. So go back to the four sectors, two special entities, six larger regions. And we still have multiple offices, but we are now focusing on a regional approach, uh, which makes it much easier also to track and trace your impact um, because the impact for us is of, of course very important. Um, so I had to do that in the first three years, not only look at the organizational change, but also we uh, work with ITET, an organization, um, to look at all of our strategies and revise them. So um, were we still on the right track? We, were we still the ones that needed to do that? Or could other organizations take over? Where Were we focused enough? Uh, in the, uh, did we work in the best countries that we could work in? Or did we need to have a, a better geographical focus? So that's also what we did in past three years. And now this year, it's the year that we say, well, let's uh, reconnect with what inspires us, what uh, connects us. Um, so we're focusing on the partners, on the content. It's a, an easier year because we don't want to change that much. Um, but have to focus on the outside world again. And I think that's really nice. It's also the year that everything opens a little bit again after COVID. So, mm. um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But my journey was just not change the heart of the organization because the people are lovely, but change the, the way we work to make it even more effective and, and make the cooperation between the regions and the people that are expert in certain areas even better. Are you surprised? Uh, I mean, when you were in government or when you're in, in different careers, uh, are, are you surprised that you are where you are today? Would you have thought, you know, 10 years ago that you'd be the way that you'd be where you are today? No, I, I don't think so. But as a political minister, I was always already very much involved in, um, in development work, but then specifically on water management. So, you know, the Netherlands is uh, in some areas we are four or five meters be below sea level. So uh, we have a lot of experience uh, in preventing from flooding, but also on droughts. And um, I have been to many, many countries in my role as minister to just help them think of how to protect themselves um, from rising sea level and more water coming from the rivers, how to work on the rivers and make them more accessible. So I, I already always looked at those systems and, and I think water is still one of the most important topics to work on in the world because we all depend on it and there's not enough of it. And sometimes there's far too much of it. And, it, yeah, yeah if, if we would be able to restore ecosystems worldwide, that would be so wonderful. So, yeah, um, there you may, may, maybe there the start of why I'm doing this now started. Great, yeah. Um, so you, you've always had uh, tackling societal issues on your in your portfolio somehow. Yeah, yeah. Because also when I was worked for a business, I worked for a large insurance company, but that was at the time that um, a new health uh, care system was introduced. So also I was really busy with uh, changing roles of healthcare uh, insurers instead of being kind of an administrative office to how could you help people with preventive health care? How could you work with... Uh, caregivers and make the system better so that the costs will be lower because you deliver better care instead of 
um, try to keep everyone out of the system because that saves you money as a as a as an insurer. So yeah, I like those large um, uh, issues where you need to find a solution and making something more sustainable out of it. So uh, I love it. I love it. One thing I have to go back to uh, from a few minutes ago, but I just have to is that. Uh, at least this is how I'm perceiving you, is that here we have Porticus, uh, not just a, a beacon of inspiration for the sort of work you're doing philanthropically, but also when you delved into the work that you did since you joined Porticus and how you had to restructure certain things. I think you're also arguably a beacon of inspiration for some of these um, big families that are involved in philanthropy that have multi-generations, uh, you know, geographically dispersed, diverse interests and how do you get everybody <laughs> somehow aligned right and i think that's also a bit that's really important in yeah. terms of your success yeah that's not easy because there are different uh, thoughts in the family also and and they are all very most of them are very active and also very inspired um in the work that they do but yeah, different experiences and different interests. So uh, it's for me always important to first involve them in the steps that I'm going to make before I um, work with the organization. And probably being working with parliament for so many years, uh, which is also kind of stakeholder <laughs> management. It's also here, I think stakeholder management uh -huh. is important, but it is fun to work with them. Excellent. The family is very much involved, but really put their heart in it. It's, uh, yeah, I, I like it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you look remarkably refreshed for someone who's navigating uh, interesting um, yeah, political political water. Yeah, but that's the fun thing, isn't it? So, yeah, that's, that's the part I like. And uh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Tell me, before we wrap up, is there a key takeaway you'd love to share with our audience? Uh, something that you'd love for them to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Yeah, so so for me, um, I think most important is whether you're um, a philanthropy or a government organization or a business, is please include the people who are affected by your work. So don't think for them, work with them. Uh, it's not only most fun, but you learn of it, you deliver better works, more effective. I really, really believe in that. So again, don't think for them, work with them is my main takeaway. Yeah. And um, Alberta, I liked uh, being on your show. So I hope the ah. listeners learned something about Corticus. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you yeah, yeah, for making the time and for joining us. And uh, I hope I pronounce your name fairly okay but apologies <laughs> if i didn't <laughs> yeah. and i uh, look forward to hosting you back on the show at some point in the in the not too distant future where we'll hear about yet more interesting work from porticus thank you very much it was great to be here thanks so much for tuning in as always please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already makes a big difference indeed and do leave us a rating and a review it helps others to find this show for information on more than 150 interviews with remarkable thought leaders in the world of philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at lidji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Thanks as ever, and I'll catch you next week.